Our readings today are from the book of Joel, chapter 2. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your hearts, with fasting, with weeping, and with sorrow. Tear your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, very patient, full of faithful love and ready to forgive. After that I will pour out my Spirit upon everyone. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days I will also pour out my Spirit on the male and the female slaves. Here ends the reading. November 30th was an anniversary for me. It was the third anniversary of my arrival in Japan. I came almost on a whim, not quite a whim. We had planned to move overseas and I had spent some time looking for a job, but it seemed like a whirlwind when I suddenly found myself in Japan. The day before I left, I sold my car. <laughs> got everything ready for my family to be without me for six months while we prepared our animals to be ready to travel to Japan. I arrived in a country I had never been to, whose language I hardly spoke and very badly at that, with cultural differences uh, that were very large from what I had grown up with. And I had an idea of what it would be like based on books and movies and TV shows and things that I had seen and heard and my time taking Japanese uh, language lessons. But I had no idea what it would really be like. And I came, I remember I arrived the first day and I made my way from the airport through the public transit system of Tokyo to an apartment that I had arranged online, never seen an apartment designed for folks who were staying only for a little while, fully furnished, what they call a 1R apartment in Japan, meaning it's a single room. It has a little kitchenette that's smaller than most desks with a single burner and a little sink and a little mini fridge. It has a shower and a toilet and a, a clothes washer and a bed and a desk and a TV. And the whole thing is about 10 square meters, which is about 100 square feet. So if you can imagine, a, uh, really it was about a, a, you know, 10 by 10, but it was, except it was longer than it was wide. And I had no possessions except what I brought with me in my suitcase. I didn't pack any boxes or anything. I left everything in the U.S. planning to come back in six months and ship everything over. So all I had was a few changes of clothes in my computer, some books, and a nativity, a little folding nativity scene that I had gotten just before I had left. And so I set it up in the corner of my very lonely little apartment. And I found an English-speaking church in town, St. Albans Anglican Episcopal Church, the only English-speaking branch of the Japanese National Episcopal Church. 
in Tokyo. And I went for services, and I arrived, of course, on the first Sunday of Advent. And so I attended Advent and Christmas services there, and I loved the candles and the incense and the hymns and the icons. This was a very high church, uh, Anglo-Catholic Episcopal church, if you will. And it was really great, and I was able to meet people and talk to people. And being the only English-speaking Anglican church uh, in Tokyo, uh, but really, in, I think, in all of Japan, as part of this uh, particular denomination, they had a very large membership. They had people from all over the place. Anyone who spoke English and was a member of the Anglican church from anywhere in the world. So we had people from India. We had people from South Africa, from the UK, from Australia, from New Zealand. We had people from, uh, I believe, uh, maybe Indonesia or, or places in, in the Pacific. We had people from the U.S. and from Canada. Uh, we had people from Africa. I mentioned South Africa already, but other places in Africa as well. And so it was this very diverse community of people who had come from all over, from all different parts of the world, and had come together into this into this worshiping community. And it changed often as people came because people didn't stay in Japan very long. They would come even maybe just for a vacation and they would come to church and they would leave again. And yet there were some people there who had been there for 20 and 30 and 40 years as well. And of course, there were some uh, native Japanese folks there as well uh, who preferred to attend worship in English rather than J the Japanese church next door that was a, that was kind of the sister congregation. So I attended services there, and it was great, and I got to know the minister there, and it was great. And I felt like I had a community. And I spent the next six months preparing for the arrival of my family. And living alone in my tiny apartment, I really began to grapple with questions about my identity and my culture and my beliefs that I had not really given myself time to grapple with in the busyness of my life in the U.S., but now I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to be. I got up in the morning and went to work, got food on the way home, watched some TV, went to bed. There was nothing else for me, really. And so I had time to prepare and to think. And after my family arrived, I eventually stopped attending that church because it took so long to get there every Sunday. It was about an hour each way every Sunday. I would go for big events for Easter and Christmas and things, but not for every day worship every week worship I feel like this must have been something like what the Judeans experienced when they returned to Judea from exile in Babylon they had been taken to Babylon forcefully forcefully removed to Babylon and then the Babylonians had been conquered by the Persians and so now the, the Persians had allowed them to come back. But they had been living for more than a generation in exile in many different places. And they spoke different languages now, and they had different cultures. And yet they were all coming back together to, to rebuild this, this place that their ancestors had come from. It must have been difficult for them. And it was a small place. They didn't have the things they needed. They had to rebuild the temple. They had to rebuild the walls. They had to 
go out and, and till the fields that had been left to just go back to nature. Everything had to be created again, done again. And it's in this, this setting that we find the prophet Joel. Joel is one of what's, what are called the, the minor prophets or the, the 12 prophets, the short prophetical books uh, that come near the end of the Old Testament. Joel likely lived after the return of the Judeans from exile in Babylon. There's, there's, it's hard to tell from the actual text. The text is very short, and it doesn't specifically mention any events that re- allow us to get a really specific date for it. But based on some of the evidence in the text about people being sent into exile or sold into you know into slavery and bringing people back from all over and some other things, uh, current scholarship generally generally uh, agrees that this was text was written after the return from exile while uh, Judah was being ruled by the Persian Empire. And during the time of this book, there was a plague of locusts. That descended on Judah. This plague is also attested in two other of the of the prophets' books, um, two other two different prophets' books. And so Joel is using this plague of locusts as an opportunity to tell the people that they should repent and return to worshiping God, so the plague can be lifted and and removed from the people. He also prophesizes after that about the coming day of the Lord when God will judge the people. And so we have a mix of kind of standard uh, prophetic works that we see in the, in the uh, Old Testament talking about return, return to God, return to God with this kind of apocalyptic text about uh, the end of the world and the coming, the coming of the Messiah and all of this kind of stuff. And yet, so the general flow of the text, general narrative, is the narrative we've seen so many times before. The people have once again begun to turn away from God. They've come back into this place. They've been in, other, in living other places. Maybe they've picked up the religions of the places where they were. And so Joel at least feels like this is part of the reason why the locusts have come, because the people have turned away from God. And so he tells them, turn back, turn back. And he tells them something that I think is very important. He tells them that even though they've done this, no matter what they've done, God is always willing to forgive those who repent, who turn back towards God. The word repent, in fact, just means to turn, to turn around, to turn back. In this case, to turn back towards God, uh, literally to, to do a 180 degree turn. And in the reading, Joel says, uh, kind of importantly, tear your hearts and not your clothing. There was a common practice at the time for repentance or for sorrow, for grief, to tear one's clothing and to put ashes on one's head and to wear um, just rags and tatters as a sign of how Uh, how despondent you were about either about repenting or about your grief or whatever it was. But Joel's point is that the people need to not just do this physically, this physical act. 
but they need to actually change their hearts. They need to change their thinking and their, their, their habits and uh, really change how they're living their lives to turn back to God. And so he says, you know, return with all your hearts, with fasting and with weeping and with sorrow, but tear your hearts and not your clothing. Later on, he, he talks in the next section about what it will be like when God comes and, and saves the people from their current oppressors. And that's where we get this reading. After that, I will pour out my spirit upon everyone. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will also pour out my spirit on the male and the female slaves. Here is a clear universalist message in this Old Testament text. Everyone, the Holy Spirit will come upon everyone. And when he brings up the male and the female slaves, the point of this is to show that it doesn't matter about your class or your station in life. It doesn't matter about your gender. It doesn't matter about your age. It doesn't matter where you're from because these people were from all over. You know, they weren't, they, they were, they were all Judeans, but they had come from all over. They had families from all over. They, they had been living in, in different cultures. This wasn't really a single united family tribe as it might have been before the exile. And so Joel is really saying everyone is welcome. Everyone will be part of this if, if we turn back to God. Then God will forgive us, and then God's Spirit will come upon us. Joel is looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. He is preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. You know, as we look forward to Christmas and the celebration of the birth of Jesus, we should take time to look at our own lives and be honest with ourselves and with God about where we have turned away from God this year. Let's ask for forgiveness and repent. Literally, let's turn back towards God in preparation for the coming of God, for the coming of the Messiah, and for the forgiveness that he brings for us and for all of humanity. Amen.